1: Welcome to the final McCovey Croncast of, mm, let's say, the regular season, because we're going to have some for the playoffs, and it's Brian Murphy, and I'm joined by Sammy Higgins. Sammy, thanks for staying on.
0: Yeah, no problem. (laughs) Doug is gone. He abandoned us.
1: (laughs) Yes. Uh, And he's missing out, because this is the nicest Croncast of all, Croncast numero 69. Nice. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Which... I'm conflicted. I want to keep just doing that. But I also feel like this one could be called the Kane cast. Oh. The the, the Matt Kane cast. Yeah, Uh, because that's really the only worthwhile thing to talk about giants-wise is that Matt Kane is no longer a giant as of right now, as you're listening to this, as we record this. Um, Technically, I guess it would be the end of the World Series, right? That's when all the contracts (laughs) lapse. Okay, so never mind. Uh, but maybe you're listening to this right at 12.01 after the World Series ends. Uh, so, in which case, Matt Cain is no longer a giant. It was all very sad. It was all somewhat sudden in the, in the week that it was announced. Um, but not sudden in certain terms. I mean, he's not been a major league pitcher, good one, for almost five years. Or for five years. Uh, it's it's not surprising. It just uh, he hadn't pitched in a month uh, and then he decided or then he's just like, hey, I'm, I'm done. I've made a lot of money in my career and it's time to wrap it up. And here's the part that's floored me the most, Sammy. He's uh-huh. he just turned 33 years old. Yes. Uh, two days ago.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's uh, not even I think he's about a half year older than me.
1: <laughs> he is legitimately three and a half years younger than me. <laughs>
0: oh, this is fun. This is fun stuff.
1: He has his major league career has lived and died, um, <laughs> uh, in in the span of a significance. Basically, since I've lived in Los Angeles, his entire career was born and died. <laughs>
0: uh, his career started. Let's see, the year before I graduated high school. So, my entire adult life.
1: Oh my gosh, that's and for some people their entire lives.
0: Yes. <laughs> For many so,
1: people, like cognizant, aware, uh, you know, thirteen-year-olds, twelve-year-olds, like they're fully aware. They've they 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 have never known the Giants without Matt Cain. Um, that's nuts. That that just goes to show that if you're you know getting old is just we're time travelers. Like we are burning through time in, at an alarming rate because I can't believe it. I can still remember having arguments about is Matt Kane actually an ace? Is he clutch? All that stuff on old ESPN message boards. Uh, <laughs> SFGiantsBoard.com, I think, was, was another one. Um, and I was both for and against the idea of him being an ace. Just a full disclosure. I think I've said that before. Um, because, like we said last week, as I rambled last week, which, again, Sammy, thank you for sticking around. Because I mean, geez, I was just talking at you guys like crazy. But to be I mean,
0: fair, I had only been awake for about two minutes before we started <laughs> that podcast. So I wasn't all there yet.
1: All right, so it worked out in a way. Um, but essentially, he uh, he was the. It, it was the first time, really, in this AT T era, or at least in our lifetimes, I feel like, where the Giants were sort of forced to go with what other teams have done to get good, which is like draft and develop talent, right? Because for most of the Sabian era, it was like, buy good players (laughs) because all of our players are garbage and plug them in, especially the pitching. I think that was the biggest thing. Like with the best the Giants system had kicked out was like Sean Estes and Russ Ortiz. You know, Uh it's like that was sort of the pinnacle. And here comes Matt Cain where it's like any team in the league would want Matt Cain and he doesn't have the warts or the flaws that other players that the Giants coveted had. He was like, legitimately, uh, there was no argument. Um, and then, what, like we said last week, he was sort of the first in line of, of everything. And I got to admit, Sammy, when when he walked off the mound uh, on Saturday, I I had, as the kids would say, feels. Legitimate <laughs> feels. Emotions. I was overcome with emotion. I didn't weep, uh, but I got close. And I'm wondering if you had the same reaction or a similar reaction.
0: I cried no fewer than 10 times this weekend. Oh,
1: my gosh.
0: <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it started with the um, with the Willie Mack Gord when he came out on the field and had, like, that minute-long standing ovation from the fans. Um, and, you know, it just kept going until the end of the game yesterday. So, you know, I, I really, really appreciated the way that they handled his, uh, you know, not only his announcement, but allowing him to have a final start. Um, and just you know, get that kind of closure that he seemed to want because he didn't want to go anywhere else. Which I respect. I mean, I don't have any, you know, I don't, I don't disrespect players who choose to go on and try and continue their career. But you know, I can respect Matt Cain choosing to just walk away. You know, I'm good. I'm good with what I did in my time here, and I want to keep it that way and just go out. You know, just go out a giant. I respect that.
1: Sure. I mean, I don't think any of us would have begrudged him trying it. Spring training invites, or just trying to do it for a few more years, bounce around, and see what happened. Because there's certainly plenty of baseball stories where you you come back. And at the same time, here's the part that's striking to me: he has his whole life ahead of him. <laughs> like you, you, if you had a career that was just one, since you said you're he's six months younger than you, right? So I'm six if, months older. older if you had had a whole career already and now your future and you were set financially, meaning you didn't have to lurch into the jump into the next thing and sort of force the issue, wouldn't you feel unencumbered and, and sort of, yeah, your future is ahead of you? He's got a family. He's got more money than he'll ever need. I mean, he's taken care of. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's young. He, he's got 40 years of life left you know, by the actual actuarial tables.
0: He's got, he can do
1: whatever he wants. He can stick around in baseball if he wants. He can, I I don't know. But to me, there's something exciting about it. Whereas other players when that 34, 35, 36, even 37 range, you know, or 35 to 38, that's what I'm going for. If you get into that, it's like baseball has been their whole lives. And for Matt Cain, baseball really has been his whole life. I mean, 20 years old, he's pitching in big leagues and all that. I think just the point is that he's not going to have to have this huge – just based on his age, I don't feel like he's going to have to have this really long search for, like, who am I and what do I do next? Because he's just young enough where I feel like he's excited by the possibility of what's next. I
0: – I agree to a to a degree. I think in Matt Cain's situation, it helps that he had the amount of success that he had, and he got a li- he got everything. You know, if, you, if you're laying down, what are my goals to have what I consider to be a successful career? Matt Cain hit all of them and then some. So for other players, though, I think there's always going to be a sense of well, what if I kept playing another year? Would I have gotten to be on the championship team? Thing, would I have ever had been able to pitch a perfect game stuff like that you know where that's like, but what if I stuck around for another year? And you look at in comparison, you look at Tim Lincecum, who you know he, though he's not playing, he kept trying and it just didn't work out. so you kind of think you got to wave the two, I guess because you don't want to be you don't want to you know yeah, he's 33, right? but you yeah. don't want to get to be like 40 and you know regret walking away from the game, but you also don't want to go down being terrible.
1: So wow. I think you, I think that, yeah, I think you actually laid out the point even better, which was that he's accomplished, what more could he have accomplished, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, if you look at his, let's just do the cr- quick career line, like we're a regular <laughs> old radio show. Matt Kane pitched, this is all regular season for right now. Well, let's first say he's going to end with a better postseason ERA than Madison Bumgarner. So there's that. Uh, That's important to remember for the postseason. But 2,085 and two-thirds innings pitched in the regular season, 1,694 strikeouts to 712 walks. Uh, His career ERA plus is 108. That obviously went down quite a bit as a result of the last five years. Um, Mm -hmm. Career whip 1.23 if we're doing some rounding. Career ERA of 3.68. For those who care about ERA, which we know he probably does. Uh, He had 15 complete games, six shutouts, a perfect game. Uh, Career... Now, this is what I was getting to. Career record, 104 and 118. I would say if there's anything he would consider, if this was like two years ago and he's thinking about what's going to happen the rest of his career, somewhere in the I don't want to have a losing career record was probably the only thing that would come up. But I feel like perfect game, three World Series rings, and a hunt... like over $130 million in career earnings, I think he'll take the, especially with the win being devalued for pitchers, rightfully so. I think he'll well, take it.
0: <laughs> and and let's, let's look at some of those losses that he should have won. There was, what, 77 of them that Grant said in his... See, got, yeah. If, Thank you yeah. for
1: taking my transition point. That, <laughs> like, perfectly, that worked great. Uh, Doug, don't come back. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, exactly. He had 77 career... Uh, quality starts that the Giants lost. Uh, that's insane.
0: Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Shouldn't it be 78 now?
1: No, because he didn't pitch six innings. Oh,
0: okay. I, thought, yeah, that, I thought it was
1: five. It's uh, six. And I think even oh. in some metrics, it, it's seven. But it's definitely at least six.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Because
0: I... And, and it's just incredibly fitting, though, that he did get caned in his final outing.
1: <laughs> he still did get caned, which we can talk about now in in, in, in a moment here. Uh, I was going to look at what baseball pers- uh, baseball reference looks at, the quality stat. Yeah, three runs over six innings is usually okay. what it is. Yeah. Um, so that's generally what it is. In any case, you know, Matt Cain, the Giants, of course, uh, lost the game. Uh, that it was his final start, and he left after five innings uh, with a one nothing lead. As soon as the bullpen comes in, uh, gives up a home run uh, to Will Myers, of course, because it's the Padres, and that's that's exactly how this goes, the season goes. Um, the, the Padres are an interesting villain in the Giants' recent run of success, I would say.
0: <laughs> I would agree. Uh, I wrote a whole article about it.
1: <laughs> and I would say that Ultimately, you know, Matt Cain pitched a really great last game. Given, you have to, I feel like you can't ignore the last five years when you're contextualizing it, which is exactly what I'm, I'm doing. But he had two hits, four strikeouts, one walk. Um, and, you know, he, he didn't hit uh, a lot of velocity. That second gear of his fastball is gone. But he hadn't pitched in so long. Um, you know, you could say, is it rust, whatever it was. He still pitched like Matt Cain, though he was challenging the hitters. Um, and he threw a curveball. He threw a fastball. He had the two-seamer going, and it was it was nice to watch him. And I definitely was cringing through most innings, though, going like, "Is he going to lose it this inning? Is he going to lose it this inning?" Uh, and we never had to see that. And so at least that much I appreciated. Um, and I didn't realize that he was out of gas when Bochi came to talk to him in the uh, in the. Fifth inning um, to basically say, Can you get through this? And I was so, like, so upset just ignoring the fact that it had literally been a month since he pitched. (laughs) Because I I was just like, Why would you do this? Let him pitch until he can't pitch. And he couldn't, he lied apparently, according to John Miller the next day. um, Kane had fibbed his way through the rest of the, to get the rest of that inning. And he was definitely done by the time he came out. But I remember at the time, Sammy, saying, oh, what planet did Bruce Bochy think going to his bullpen was going to improve his chances of winning this game?
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, it was funny because it was the loudest he'd gotten booed by the fans since the time he tried to pull his own son. <laughs>
1: uh, because at, at first, without really thinking about all the context and all that stuff, you know, it's just like the the madness of trying to get Kaner a win in his last start. is just absolute insanity. Like, oh, so we're going to go to the bullpen to hold the lead. Uh, just an absolute insane, insane thing. It was just kind of a, you know, the Giants lost 3-2, to two and it was kind of a crappy day. I mean, didn't Hunter Strickland pitch? Like, it just, I just wasn't feeling great about it. But at the same time, uh, the Giants did a nice job at the very last minute sort of honoring Kane and, and doing all they could to sort of um, not the team, not the <laughs> players, I'm not the players. I mean, the organization and the fans, of course, the, the only people who have carried, you know, the, the fan appreciation should be thanks for making us look not like a total disaster all season. That sh- the, the front office should be grateful that the, the Giants fans papered over the, the pustering wounds that was the 25 man roster all year. Because um, they really did, you know, you're watching it on TV, you're hearing it on the radio, and you would have no way of knowing that this was a, a 700 lost franchise that's going nowhere for the next decade. You would have no way of knowing that. And it was just like, it was Matt Cain, he's here, and they're enjoying the moment. And of course, that's why I'm going to get the feels. Um, yeah. There any? Go ahead.
0: Oh, I just was—you'd uh, mentioned Strickland, but it wasn't Strickland that blew it. It was uh, no, Sam it Dyson again, twice right, in right, one week.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Sam. This was the thing I was saying last week on the podcast, which I think I cut the whole section of like Sam Dyson has been okay with the Giants, but for literally half the season, he was the absolute worst pitcher in baseball. So I feel like that doesn't just go away.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, so good luck. Bobby Evans for having two pretty much useless closers perhaps for the next year. Uh, but it doesn't matter. Uh, I just meant just Strickland's pres- mere presence yeah. is, uh, is deeply unsettling and annoying. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so Matt Cain, I, I'm sure in the next couple of weeks, the rest of the podcast this season, he'll come up again and we'll talk about him some more. Uh, I guess uh, real quick though, since what's your strongest Matt Cain memory, that's not the perfect game.
0: Oh,
1: man. I'm putting you on the spot. You are putting me, me on the spot. Uh, let me... I apologize, but I, I feel like from the topic alone, you should have had some sense this was coming. <laughs> I, but didn't. I didn't.
0: <laughs> um, You know what? Okay, here's the thing about Matt Cain, and I think a lot of people have been writing about it this last week, is that he was like the workhorse. He was the guy that didn't draw attention to himself. I mean, obviously, he had moments where the spotlight was thrust upon him, like the perfect game in his um, postseason stuff, but... I mean, ultimately he was just kind of the guy that was reliable and you just kind of always assume he was good. It's kind of like how I think of Bumgarner now, which I shouldn't because it's, I'm a greedy, spoiled, terrible fan. But you just kind of expected him for the, for the first part of his career that, oh, it's Matt Cain, he's going to come out and he's going to have a good game and that's just what it's going to be. So I think that I took Matt Cain for granted, really.
1: I think that's why he sort of was underappreciated in that first half of his Giants career In that he was always there, but because he wasn't so Lincecum-like spectacular, you know, just the electric guy, uh, that people either, you know, dogged him for not being that because that's what they wanted or just they kind of took him for granted. But, I mean, folks, just to consider—folks, God, who am I? Um, But just to consider, like, uh, Fangraphs adjusted uh, some of their metrics because of Matt Cain's ability to get pop-ups. Like, he, just by the way he pitched, he flustered advanced stats because he gave up so many fly balls. Obviously, pitching in AT&T helped him, but the way he would get pop-ups forced uh, the analytics community to go, is there value in this? Is this a skill? And Matt Cain's ability with the way he pitched, the way he has fastball of that late life, you know, he had a, a, a you know, he did a lot of things that, on just the numbers, you would go, this should not be a successful pitcher. and And he flustered them not because of it was all luck. He flustered them because that's what got him, that's what made him successful. Um, and I think that that is very giants, that the giants have always sort of done things in the atypical way. And so even in a situation where Matt Cain represents, this is the typical way you build a franchise and a dynasty is through the draft and getting strong pitching and all that stuff. They still didn't do it in the typical way. Kane and Lincecum do not represent the, the standard one, two punch that that all organizations crave, right? Every organization wants Randy Johnson, Curt Schilling, you know, right? That's yeah. they, they want power pitchers. You know, they want Clayton Kershaw Zach Greinke. Boom, boom. And here's Matt Cain, who's not striking out a bunch of guys. He's getting a lot of pop-ups, but he's still somehow getting it done. And you've got Tim Lincecum, who's like five inches shorter than he should be. How is he doing this? Like, and he, he certainly has the electric stuff in the strikeouts, but that delivery and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So at least in that sense, that's very giantcy of doing things their own way. Um, and I would say the end of Matt Cain's career sort of coincides with the game passing the entire organization, the franchise by because Matt Kane cannot get away now with pitching how he used to pitch either because they've changed the ball or because every single hitter has somehow miraculously simultaneously uh, changed their approaches and are equally successful across all teams and all leagues, all divisions and all parks, which I don't buy. And so it's funny that it gets included in that Is Why are the home run rates up? I think it's just simpler. It's the ball. Like, it's, it's the ball. Uh So, you know, and probably, I would actually say, probably climate change, too. Um, just the warmer temperatures overall. In any case, uh, my memories of Matt Cain, I have three that are non-perfect game. Uh, and I didn't have these ready because I was preparing to surprise them with you. I thought of it during your answer. So, thank you. <laughs> okay. Uh, Sean Gothman's uh, Satter Crash on the site... Uh, Millennium Falcon, Matt Cain image, which mm. is a classic. Classic. Uh, the the fact it was inspired by Matt Cain, the, that whole thing, it just fit him perfectly. Like, Matt Cain as the Millennium Falcon, like, isn't the whole part of the, the spirit of the Millennium Falcon is like, it's a scoundrel who just barely gets away with it. <laughs> and that is what it felt like watching Matt Cain pitch a lot. And it wasn't shaky, how's he going to get through this? And It wasn't like watching Russ Ortiz. Oh, he walked eight batters. How did he only give up two runs? It was just like, how is Matt Cain flustering these guys, getting all the pop-ups and everything, and not striking everybody out? Um, And then I would say the picture of him as a rookie or very young in his career. It was when he was a rookie, where he's sitting by himself and everyone's swarming Barry Bonds. Uh, That's a pretty classic one. And then I always get reminded of this on the site when people are talking about Matt Cain memories, but it's a really good one because if my memory serves, and I think this is part of it, whether I'm correct or not, Matt came flummoxed by the Rockies for a long time or especially pitching in Coors Field. And there was like a weekend, maybe it was a couple of weekends before the end of the regular season in 2010, where he went in there and he pitched an amazing game to shut down the Rockies and, and, and advance the Giants, like give the Giants, get them even closer to clinching a playoff spot. Um, and I just remember... There, I think there were two games that season. I think he faced the Dodgers on Sunday Night Baseball. Maybe it was not 2010, but it was somewhere in that run. So Matt Cain sort of like um, uh, expelling, what is it, expelling the demons? That he had such a long career to develop sort of these blocks, these things to go up against, and then he overcame them in his career. Uh, he had a Sunday Night game against the Dodgers, and I think there was some stat about him against the Dodgers, or him on Sunday night against the Dodgers. or something about that, and he never did well against them. And he did he did very well on a particular Sunday night game that was important for the Giants, or maybe it wasn't even important. So, <laughs> but the point if is, if it that was I against the
0: Dodgers, of course it was yeah, important. Yeah.
1: But the, to me, the point is that Matt Cain was he has a he had, he has an arc of both a career and as a character and as a baseball player. You know what I mean? Uh, where he had obstacles that he overcame performance wise he had villains that he would manage to get out and he saw it through to the end and you capped it off perfectly sammy like he accomplished everything um
0: well and and now that you've been talking i thought of like a couple of other things that um okay so i didn't know i don't know we didn't have to stick to baseball so (laughs) (laughs) matt kane walking bat kid across the field is one of my favorite memories of all time great memory and then I was thinking about um, and, and Matt Cain was by no stretch of the imagination a great batter. However, I every single time he would hit get an extra base hit, I was always shocked, so I, I think it was earlier this season. I was like, wait a second, so I, I searched my Twitter account and back through the years, without without um, missing one, I was always every time he hit a double, it was Matt Cain hit a what? Over and over and over again, I was shocked every single time, as though it wasn't something that he did fairly frequently.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean that was he was sort of the the he was the Bumgarner type hitter before Bumgarner came, and I think Kane has that quote where he's like, "As soon as I saw Bumgarner hit, I knew I was over."
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it means I mean, he had seven home runs, you know, for a pitcher. Uh, yeah. that's, that's good.
1: Yeah, that's a week for Madison Bumgarner. <laughs> Uh, But I think that's another part about Matt Cain that's uh, underrated or unheralded was simply he had a sense of humor and I don't think he took himself too seriously. Um, I I think he took the game just, like his job, just seriously enough. But he also seemed like one of the looser guys. And um, I don't know, has anyone ever said it? uh, Well, hold on, I'm stopping myself here. Have (laughs) any teammates said a bad thing about Matt Cain? I don't think they have. I don't think so. I mean, David Wright has beef with him, for sure, uh, because who knows if Matt Kane was the one that triggered the end of David Wright's career. It certainly seems that way. Um, I think there was one more hitter he has definite beef with. But uh, in any case, um, Matt Kane, the, the horse, the bulldog, whatever you want to call him, um, just just impressive and I will bridge no argument that he was merely average <laughs> uh, so thanks thanks for the memories uh, yeah definitely uh, the his final start was by the sloppy metric of game score was the second best start tied for second best start of the year wait what which the, is uh, for him for for him oh okay for for the Giants who cares the Giants <laughs> the Giants suck they're awful um <laughs> One thing, uh, one other thing I want to point out because I want to mention the perfect game again is um, Gregor Blanco making that catch. obviously, oh Was God. the thing, and I—that's I, all I think about when I think about the perfect game right now.
0: You know, I went back and rewatched it um, sometime since he announced that he was retiring, and it was actually that was obviously like the craziest, most impressive part of it. But I think even on that last out, I think the—I can't remember who was batting. But that play, that throw to belt, if he had been even just like a millisecond later on that, that would have been a base runner.
1: It was Jason Castro. Okay.
0: Uh,
1: I just remember that because of the Bay Area ties, I believe. Yeah. And the way, he kind of awkwardly hit the ball. Um, <laughs> and I, yeah, obviously it was weird how the the degree of difficulty kind of grew exponentially as the game went on. Uh, so the plays were tougher. One thing, uh, because I watched that game at some point in the last few years, Kane had really great stuff in that game, which is kind of – make it kind of makes sense um, because, you know, it was a perfect game. But uh, he was on, and I would venture to guess that was probably the last amazing Matt Kane start of his career. I think his playoff games were all solid, normal Matt Kane starts, but I don't recall – after that, his stuff being quite as interesting or as electric as it was then. Well,
0: when the bar has been set that high, you're never going to really yeah. go above it.
1: Sure. Um, who was the opposing pitcher in that game? Since you've watched it recently, it's funny. It's just a funny note.
0: No, I did not. Act- you know, it's funny. I watched the the all twenty-seven out, so I wasn't watching ah. the whole
1: game. But it was Jay Happ. Huh.
0: I feel like I knew it's that. That's
1: funny. Um, in any case, and, and the Giants just lit him up, which is funny right. because and his subsequent returns facing basically the same Giants lineup, you know, reflected how much his career has improved. He was he was very sharp and the Giants could not hit him. So it was funny. Uh, yeah. That's what this entire dynasty sort of feels like. like. The Giants got a lot of stuff in under the wire before the game changed on them. Like they were able to kind of do their last, like do the best version of their atypical plans. We're only going to get contact hitters. No one hits for power. Nobody walks. Nobody wants these guys on their team even as bench bats, bats but we want them to be the middle of the lineup guys. Like, none of our pitchers throw above 90 miles an hour. They don't strike any... Like, you know, it's going to be some pitching and, and mostly defense and a lot of contact to put the ball in play. And it seems like that plan that the Giants developed post-Bonds, like, they worked it to perfection they got lucky in a couple of instances to really push it up to the maximum and then you know they then they got out i mean they got forced out but this turn has happened so quickly that's that's the only way i can rationalize it or intellectually understand what the hell happened yeah (laughs) uh Andrew Baggerly uh, tweets um, some recognition for Gorky Hernandez in a season when 525 players hit a record 6,105 home runs he's the runaway winner of the Kype Award which means Gorky Hernandez had the most at-bats without a home run this year in a year when a record number of players and a record number of home runs were hit a record number of players hit a record number of home runs Gorky Hernandez and 310 at-bats zero home runs I, Which, as we mentioned last year, or last week, you said that would have been the the best so that, person to break the record. That was
0: Doug. I wanted Kelby, but now that you mentioned no. that, I, <laughs> I feel like mathematically, that. well, okay, now we've seen it before, but still, the odds.
1: Well, it just goes to show how committed the Giants were to a really bad player, who was not even their worst player. In fact uh Albert Pujols I guess was like the worst regular hitter in baseball this year which is surprising to me and I tweeted at the person who I saw tweeting that and I said even worse than literally 90% of the Giants roster <laughs> and they said even if you expanded it out to 300 plate appearances The Giants don't appear until like the 50th person. So there are literally 49 or 50 worse hitters in baseball than anybody on the Giants. And that, my my friends, is stunning to me.
0: That's some (laughs) sweet, sweet consolation. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and I quickly halted the thread because I said, I feel like we're doing the Giants' job of making the pitch to season ticket holders of why they should not should renew their tickets. Because they'll say, Haha, it only seemed like we had the worst roster in baseball, but we actually didn't.
0: <laughs> you know, I feel like at this point, your pitch to season ticket holders is, isn't it a beautiful ballpark? You can look at the ships. There's great food. You know, that would sell me if I had that kind of money.
1: Well, that's the thing. They're going to sell just the park again for another 15% increase or something stupid probably. Uh, Just real quick to close the loop on Gorky Hernandez, who will be back next year and probably a starter again. 348 plate appearances in 128 games for who is supposed to be a fourth or fifth outfielder. I wonder if you will get Nick Hundley money in this off season, <laughs> um, and that's uh, that talk has expanded. We the the uh, the, um, the Willie Mac Award went to freaking Nick Hundley.
0: Yeah, that one. I mean, I'm not going to begrudge him. <laughs> Obviously, the players vote on that award, and the people that know him and know the atmosphere inside the clubhouse. So I'm not going to say he didn't deserve it because he must have done something that made the players respect him that much to vote for him for it but as you know you're watching the names of these players that are coming out that have won it over the years and then it's like Nick Hundley I'm like oh okay good for him
1: (laughs) right Uh, (laughs) I I think I made my point very clear I think it's a I think it's a It's this is Bruce Bochy's fingerprints on it it doesn't make any logical rational whatever you want to say however you want to describe it makes no sense to me That the Giants would fetishistically want to hold on to him. That he serves some tremendous value, that they're going to spend five, six, seven million dollars on a 34 year old catcher who had a sub 300 on base percentage and a seven to one strikeout to walk ratio uh, as a hitter, who's going to catch at least as many games as he caught this season, or probably more, if it's true that. But, you know, Brandon Belt's gone. Brian? Then it's going to... I... All the signs are pointing to that. Which is so Giants, it would make so much... I would feel like we're in Jeffrey Hammond's Michael Tucker era Giants again if they traded Brandon Belt so that Posey could play first base and they signed Nick Hundley to do a two-year extension. That, to me, feels the, like the Giants we deserve.
0: You're making me physically <laughs> ill right
1: now. Well, can you explain why there's so much smoke around uh, this potential I fire? Can't
0: I can't. Um,
1: I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying I want it to happen. No, I'm I, I just understand. I'm not saying that. The Giants literally get everything they deserve now because they're not staying with the times and they're, they're huffing and puffing about, well, we can't convince any free agents to sign here. You know, that kind of dragging their heels garbage. Well, you could have drafted Giancarlo Stanton. Well, we don't know how to develop power hitters or identify them. Harumph. Like, that's basically all they're doing. And so the idea that you're going to take your best power hitter, which Brandon Belt is, because Hunter Pence is Ash. Um, You know what Hunter Pence is? He's that shadow on the wall after a nuclear blast. Like, that's what Hunter Pence is. That's his career, anyway. Oh, my God. He's a. <laughs> um, but Brandon Belt's their best power hitter. I think his health concerns are serious enough that I, if I were in Brandon Belt's circle, like family, I would definitely be saying, it's not worth it. You should retire. Like, that is my. That's how much I care about. Him? I'm like, it's not worth it. Five concussions that we know of, right? Four. And, his, and it. Didn't he have one in college? Um.
0: What?
1: And he played football? So the chances are he's had at least one other one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But, but in any case, four, it doesn't matter. More than one yeah. is, sounds crazy to me. Yeah. Uh, and he's going to get hit again. It's impossible that he's not going to get hit again. So well, to me, there's just that idea of like, just get out. This is not worth your, your health. Um, I can see him wanting, like, if I can get through one of these guaranteed contract years of, what is it, $17 million, 18, 16 or $18 million, I can kind of see that, but you're trading, you know, your health for your money. I guess people make that decision all the time. So I could maybe see it. Um, but I, that's what I worry about. The Giants cutting ties with him, good. They get what they deserve. They, they get Justin Ruggiano. They get... You know, they're going to get the remains of Jose Bautista. Whatever. That's their choice. And we can laugh at them and rip them for that. Um, yeah, no.
0: If they trade Brandon Bell, I'm uh, putting in notice on my job and moving in, in front of Giants headquarters. <laughs> with signs. I have had much practice with making signs this year.
1: Um, I... I there's no logical reason for them to do it because they're not—I mean, they're not going to get anyone—they're not going to—they're going to get pennies on the—anyway, do- we don't need to talk about this right now. I guess the the larger point that we were kind of—that I was kind of dragging us into is like, the season is over, <laughs> um, and the season ended in a—what in a, well, do you think about what happened? If you don't know how the season ended, by the way— person listening to this podcast, which is weird that you're listening to this and you don't know what's going on with the Giants, but also kind of cool. Flattering in a way. But the season ended with the Giants losing the number one pick on a walk-off home run from Pablo Sandoval, which if you had emailed that message or tweeted that message back in time to like spring training, I don't know what would have happened. If you had sent that message back to like June 3rd, I think everyone would have been like, oh, that sounds Uh, right. (laughs) Uh, So I guess my thought is you cried no less than 10 times in the past week regarding Matt Cain. Was there an 11th uh, trail of of your tears because of what happened, how the season ended?
0: God, no, I loved it. Um, I was rooting for them to not hit 100 losses. I wasn't rooting against the draft pick, whatever. The Tigers could have found a way to be less bad than the Giants. I just was like, there was so much like emphasis on. I want them to lose 100 games. I want them to tank, 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 and I'm just like, no. I like chaos. It's like I think uh, I, I posted about this in the on McCovey Chronicles a few days ago. I likened it to like um, a no hitter in the ninth inning with one out to go, and but it's not your team, obviously. But you're, you're just kind of, there's a little bit of you, you want them to get it, and then there's a little bit of you that's, like, rooting for chaos. It's like, no, I want to see them lose it on the last batter. That's kind of where I, I wanted the Giants to get to 99 wins. Or 99 losses, sorry. Oh, my God, 99 wins. Um, I Just just because, you know, it's like, obviously everyone enjoys different parts of the game, and that was something that I was looking forward to. Because just so I knew people would be, like, you know, mad about it. And it's like, really, what's the difference between 98 losses, 99 losses, and 100 losses if you throw out the draft pick issue?
1: I would say that for the Giants, that I firmly I firmly believe there is going to be some weird marketing twist of because we didn't lose a hundred games. It could have been worse, and therefore there are way more positive signs than the naysayers are saying about this team. I really think that is the line. A hundred makes it its incontrovertible, inarguable that this was a. There was nothing good about this season, and I think them saying, "Aha, we didn't get the number one draft pick. Aha, we did end the season on a high note." that they that there are the Larry Bear types of the world and I just mean marketers mm. who are going to like perversely twist that into something and then the giants as a mindset are going to say see we don't need to overhaul we just need to put some like makeup over the the pimples.
0: I could see that I for really, an eighty something yeah. loss team, but I don't there's not that big of a difference between ninety eight and hundred losses. You're still terrible. You're still bottom of the National League West. Below the Padres. That's bad enough. That's pretty clearly 40, bad.
1: Forty games back, yeah. They they lost the division by forty games. But I would still say they would say that they would go, well, we avoided losing 100 losses, so in that sense, we were successful in something. And then they'd go back and say our record over the last whatever was better, so there are positive signs. We played some good teams down the stretch. You know, the Padres weren't calling it in, and neither were we. They played us tough all year, and we played them tough. I really think that is how this gross... (laughs) It's the same guys they're fighting for their 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 legacies, their jobs because three more years of this and they' they're out of baseball for good. Um, this is the last stop for a lot of people. I, I feel like that's worth an article that I'm gonna have to do some research on. but how many players have played their final game with the Giants in the last 20 years? It feels like. It's a very high number.
0: Well, I and mean, if you just look at spring training this year, the amount of, like, older veterans that were invited just to just to get an invite to spring training to see if maybe they could give it one more go. And I remember thinking at the time, that seems a little weird because it was mm-hmm. just, like, veteran city over there. But, you yeah, know, but it also kind of yeah. seemed like a lot of the guys were just there to have fun, and then if they got a job, they got a job. But, you know, not the yeah. best outlook when forming your team.
1: Right. So the Giants... From August through October, uh, you know, first day of October, Giants were twenty-four and thirty-one, which is a higher winning percentage than they had for the rest of, from the, for the rest of the season. So I would say they would say that they were positive, that there were positive signs through the second half of the season, despite what the record would show. And these are the things that the Giants have done in my life that drive me crazy. Because I liked what Brian Sabian said about a month ago, where he was like, it's all terrible. If you light me on fire, you'll be doing me a favor. I don't want to watch my garbage team play. That's why I'm scouting in the Cape Cod League. He said that in that article. Did you? I'm pretty
0: sure you're taking some liberty with that statement.
1: But he said, I don't want to watch our Major League team. They're unwatchable right now, so I'd rather... Like come out to the Cape Cod and watch these games. That is a paraphrase without hyperbole. But that was the like he was just very blunt. Like they suck. I don't want to be random. <laughs> I mean, and I okay, don't. I <laughs> go ahead. I
0: still don't think that there's anything that they can do to put a spin on how bad the season is and make anyone look optimistic. I mean, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Aren't they doing a press conference tomorrow? I'm willing to see what they do and how they react and what they do to try and adjust and if they don't do anything well then you know I'm with you but for now it's just you can't spin 98 games into being better than 100 they're practically the same number
1: but they're not exactly and that's the wiggle room that's the little crack that the marketing people are going to find that the because they have to be positive at all times because remember I mean the investors don't watch every game so they have to spread the same message to they have to spread the same message across both parties they have to pretend that talking to the fans is like talking to the investors or what they say to the investors is what they're going to wind up saying to the fans just because it's easier to have one message um because not all the message like not all the investors it's a 25 person group they're not following every day they don't care you know they don't care what happens most of them probably I'm guessing yes I'm making a lot of (laughs) assumptions but I think it's safe I think it's safe to say if you're passively earning millions of dollars in dividends a year it's you're not following the team every day you're not following you know you don't care why things aren't working you just want them to work so the money comes in so what they have to tell them is everything's fine it's not going to change our revenue for next year and they have to tell the fans everything's fine so keep giving us money so whatever Every bad team has to do, every bad fan base or, you know, bad luck losers have these patches and they have to go through this and deal with this. What I'm saying is, Sammy, you're saying they can't spin this. I don't want them to even think they could try. Okay. That's how defeated I want them to feel. I want Bochy to contemplate retirement. That's how bad the season was. And I want Larry Bear and the marketing department to be like, we can't spin this at all. So, so we'll see you're right uh, whatever the uh, press conference will tell us a lot and you've listened to this before the press conference most likely <laughs> so um, so this segues me into the last uh, the last bit which is going to basically be all your Twitter questions um, and but I want to get your answer real quick Sammy what was, the question that uh, was posed was what were your best and or favorite memories of this twenty seventeen Giants season, and then send us your nominees. Maybe I'll put a poll at the end of this post. But Sammy, do you have a favorite memory, a, a best memory, something you think is the best thing of the season? Doesn't have to be something that that is the most representative of the season. That's not what I'm yeah. asking about. Just like what's your favorite thing? Okay,
0: so so I know um, there's a couple people that mentioned this in their replies. Sorry, I have to get redundant. But um, Brandon Belt's first career Grand Slam, and, the, and what happened afterwards, because he hit his first career Grand Slam, I had to pull my car off the road just to listen, because base is loaded, Brandon Belt up to bat, I always pull the car off the road from i driving, because I'm always hopeful. So he hits the Grand Slam, it's great. Uh, he hits another home run in that game, and the Giants lose. It was like the biggest LOL Belt game of all time. I <laughs> took to <laughs> Maccabi Chronicles to write an entire tirade that night about how Brandon Belt <laughs> deserves better.
1: <laughs> he certainly does. He certainly does. Um, I'm going to say uh, I, it's hard for me to find something positive. I'm not I'm not going to lie. Um, it's really going to be hard for me to find something positive because I would say that my strong, the best the, for me, the best is really just the strongest memory I have is really how much of a heel Hunter Strickland was to me this season.
0: Oh my
1: and, God. And I don't know if he, to me, his nuclear immaturity and selfishness really just salted the whole earth of the season to me.
0: Can we just blame it on him? Because that was, what, May? That was early enough for him to have been the reason the Giants
1: sucked all year. I I mean, the, the Bumgarner thing is, this is a hard thing because I don't want to get on guys. I, I would say risking your safety to blow off some steam and then you get hurt, obviously. Basically, if Bumgarner hadn't gotten hurt, we wouldn't be saying he's selfish. But I think because of what happened and all that stuff, it's not unreasonable to say that If he had been a little more cognizant or considerate, things might have gone differently. We can definitely say with Hunter Strickland, if that weak, insecure piece of garbage hadn't been selfish because he legitimately was tangibly proof the definition of selfish, things might have gone differently. He literally ended someone's career. Yeah, that's an important trait. He sucked when it really counted, and I'm not even gonna look at the leverage stats. I'm gonna go off of the old baseball term of when I saw him, he sucked,"
0: because he <laughs>
1: certainly did. He's a, he's a, when Bryce Harper got hurt, he said, "Oh, that's tough," you know, and you knew he was loving it inside because he's a he's a piece of garbage. So to me, Hunter Strickland is the strongest memory of the season, and it even if the Giants had gotten into the playoffs this year or had you know somehow stormed back and in August or September, to be a 72-90 and team, which would have been impressive when you think about it. Yeah. (laughs) um, But if something like that had happened, I still, this would have definitely been my number one thing because in addition to me feeling in my bones that the Giants are going to try to spin, we didn't lose 100, I feel in my bones that the fact that he's still on the team means that they think he has value, and I cannot bridge, I cannot accept that. Uh, you know, I have punted on. You know, I've given up being a 49ers fan. I've given up the NFL, and I to me it just seems like it's so easy for these teams to move on from assholes. And when they don't do it, especially when the team is in the tank, like the Giants, it makes me it makes me go. You know, I can be mad at you guys for lots of reasons now, and I'm now as a character attack. You're you know you're playing Moneyball with Hunter Strickland. Why? Oh, he provides value in the bullpen. Your bullpen sucks. Who cares? <laughs> like, who, who really, who gives a shit? So to me, that kind of spoiled any other positive things about the season. Like, I, I always think about it. Like, whenever he's in the game, I think about it. Yeah. Um, and whenever the Giants didn't make a move or they're talking about moving Brandon Bell, I'm like, oh, yeah, move or shit on the character guys. Because they do do that. They do go out in public and leak to the press or have Bruce Jenkins or whoever talk about how frustrated they are with Brandon Belt's performance. But a racist piece of garbage like Hunter Strickland who knocked out Michael Morse, who is a headhunter who doesn't care what it does to his team and his teammates, no, we don't hear about that in the press. Yeah. I hate his sweaty, curly hair. I hate his <sighs> stupid face. Uh, if he wants to come and beat the shit out of me, he's welcome to do that. But, uh, I'm going to get in a few insults that are going to hurt him before he kills me and he better make sure he kills me. Cause if I get out of the hospital, oh my god, <laughs> Brian. I'm just saying that he's, he has created such a character villain that it's easy to just keep all your hatred and your disappointment and everything on him. For the whole season, that's to me. He just made it very easy to do that.
0: Speaking and, of disappointment, I'm disappointed that Doug isn't here for this because he would be all
1: in. Yeah, I mean it doesn't. So here's what I'm saying: blame 2017, not just the Giants' season, the calendar year 2017 on that's Hunter Strickland. Yeah, blame it on him.
0: Oh. that's he, that's that's a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I do feel like I'm trying to figure out a way to come down from that. I'm <laughs> <laughs> getting
1: all these positive memories that everyone has really, uh, I'm really impressed. Everyone did a fantastic job at McCroncast. They added us with some really cool stuff. I'm happy to go through them. We won't have to spend a whole hour on this. God, I hope we don't, but, <laughs> but, you know, we can go through this really quickly if you want and we can switch off. Are you looking at the page right now?
0: I can be within okay. a minute. Well,
1: that's fine. Um, but we'll go through them real quick. So uh, whenever you're ready, you can start jumping in with them. But uh, let me find the box. Yeah, i got to really go through these and find them. So thank you for uh, responding to the question with some really good stuff here. Um, so Joanne, who, who's who been a host on this, at Ripple in Time, 17, Buster's 17th inning walk-off, Ties complete game shutout. Bum's two homers on opening day, Belt's grand slam, which Sammy mentioned. Those are all great. Buster's 17th inning walk off had that, that very uh, demonstrative. I'm exhausted. I'm just glad this is over.
0: Was that when he threw his hands to the sky? Yes. yes. That's my phone <laughs> screensaver to this day. <laughs>
1: Uh, Bumgarner's two homers on opening day, to me, are completely steamrolled by everything else that happened in that game, just to me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that, was, that should have been, like, kind of our... Um, our No, that was our canary have... in the you...
1: coal mine. No, that was, was definitely, it was for sure, the canary in the coal mine. Uh, Belt's Grand Slam, like you mentioned, I mean, that was the perfect Brandon Belt moment, as you said. I mean, that was, that was great. So, in that sense, it's, it is it is funny. Like, to me, I thought the Giants, because when they signed into the contract, they're like, you know what? We like Belt's quirks. We like his foibles. And we like that he's both a leader in terms of how he hits and a punchline. But I guess players don't like having a punchline in the in the clubhouse.
0: Well, I think there's a difference when you're talking about a punchline. There's, like, a punchline where we kind of laugh at Brandon Melt's bad luck, but not laughing at him. Yeah. Laughing at the bad luck. And then yeah. there's the other side where people who are absolutely, like, the joke is, They think Brandon Bell is the joke. And I'm like, that's not funny. The other hand
1: is funny. Well, I would say that the Hunter Strickland's of the clubhouse probably think of him as a joke because they are an idiot. All right. Uh, At LB 37 uh, says, Aaron Hill and Nunez in left field experiment. That is a great memory. Aaron Hill was on the team. (laughs) Uh, The Aaron Hill experiment in general was fantastic. And the fact that, The fact that he didn't make it through the whole season, but Gorky's Hernandez did, is amazing. And I think it all boils down to Gorky's Hernandez was literally the only player who could play the outfield and catch the ball. Sometimes. (laughs) Yes.
0: More Uh, more often than... Yes, yes.
1: I'm pretty sure Denard Spann and Hunter Pence did not catch any fly balls all season. Everything they caught, all the things they caught bounced in front of them or to their right or left. Um LB thirty seven follows up with also Buster Stealing Home. Didn't get credit for almost a week. They have no respect for Buster Posey. <laughs> that was definitely a game I did not see. I he remember did not, yes, steal he did not steal. yes.
0: So much as he moonwalked down the base <laughs> like just sauntering slowly and just kinda of casually took home.
1: Now, where does that slot in on Buster Posey base running history? His stolen base, not stolen base in the playoffs, or a stolen base in the playoffs. Um, getting pulled for Eli Whiteside, <laughs> uh, or, or so out of those three, those are the three that immediately come to mind for me.
0: If i know, I'm he, missing. Uh, sorry, I saw him score from first this season, so that was pretty impressive too. Wait, when did
1: that happen?
0: Maybe it wasn't this season, but I swear it might have been like he was. I'm gonna have to put some research into that, but I swear he he scored from first base, and I was shocked.
1: Okay, where, uh, where then would the moonwalking home still in your top four, where would that go?
0: Um, you know, I don't think I could give it top spot because they honestly were not paying attention to him. <laughs> uh, which is why he had the time to just kind of like
1: saunter in. So you're, that's the caboose, no matter how many.
0: No, I, I wouldn't say that. I'm saying I wouldn't put it at the top just because it wasn't like it required a lot of, Skill, I mean, not skill. Okay, I, I should say like it required him to be able to read the situation appropriately. So there is skill involved there, not much. Uh, um, what was the what was the other one?
1: We got Eli Whiteside, uh, the Braves' playoff game, stolen base, um, and then this home, and then what you said, the scoring from first.
0: Okay, so I, I cannot confirm it off the top of my head. But if that, if that is true, him scoring from first, yeah. then I would go with that one because he's Buster Posey. He's not known for even average speed.
1: Yeah. I would put the walking, the you know, walking home because he's crafty. I don't know what my number one is, but I would definitely put that as number two because it's so surprising and you get to say Buster Posey stole home.
0: True. That, that is a good so, point. So
1: I, I, I would agree with you. It's not the top spot because there are the other smaller details, but mm-hmm. it, I can't. Put it at the bottom. Him scoring from first, though, I don't remember that, and that—that's pretty amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I'm okay. gonna probably okay. spend all off season thinking about this now. I don't remember it, and maybe I've even talked about it.
0: I'm gonna have to look <laughs> it up. When I find it, I'll—I'll I'll send it out. And if we have to correct ourselves in an upcoming episode, we will.
1: Yes. There we go. Uh, let's see. Uh, at legal, eagle, at legal eagle 88. Ty Block. Uh, I think that's. I think it's a great one. I, I think Tyler Block. Type excuse me, Ty Block had a solid season. He had the season that I expected he'd have. And I which is why I was so upset in the season when he was not penciled in, in the rotation. And and so I'm glad that very quickly it was like, Well, he's literally our only good pitcher right now, so we have to pitch it. So, <laughs> yeah. Um have you jumped in yet or
0: Oh yeah. Um I've got uh, Grant Brisby at uh, McCovey Chronicle.
1: <laughs> or, oh, Grant. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we've heard of him. Yeah, sure.
0: Uh, yeah, somewhat. Uh, he says Michael Morris's home run might be the best moment of the season, which I don't remember that happening. But okay.
1: Oh, I remember that. Um,
0: and then yeah. <laughs> tie block shutout. So, you know,
1: we got more on tie. The tie block shutout is, is an interesting thing because I feel like that gave – that was the last time the Giants fan base – had a shot of hope.
0: Yeah. Oh, am I remember? Okay, so Michael Morris' home run. Was that a game winner? I feel like that was no, a game winner. No, it was oh. a game
1: tire against, okay. the, Do- against the Dodgers. Okay. Um, and it was, um, and they, the Giants won the game, uh, but that was the game where I think it was against Jansen. It was in the eighth inning, mm-hmm. and uh, it was a pinch hit home run. And it was sort of like, yeah, Morris is back, baby. <laughs> and it, and uh, the Giants were seven and fourteen, so you know it was, that was like one of the first jolts of the season uh, where that happened. Was it Jansen? I want to make sure it's Jansen. No, it was it was Pedro Baez. I, I apologize to Kenley Jansen. Yeah. But uh, it was a uh, it and it was. It was he ran around the bases like a goofball and all that stuff. And you know, anytime you hit a home run against the Do- the Dodgers, you already elevate there. Um, yeah, uh, that that was a great one. Those are both great memories. Uh, when you have, which again, now I'm thinking about Hunter Strickland though. <laughs> so,
0: well, anyway. to take your mind off of Hunter Strickland, the next two, um, one is from Kevin Scudero, and the other is from Leland Bailey um they're they're both about the 2am giants game the one with all the rain delays and the lightning oh my,
1: lightning goodness. Oh my goodness. and
0: the tarp on and off the field and how much of that game
1: did you watch
0: i watched from the beginning to the very end
1: faithful. rain delay and all faithful
0: that is not a game you'll ever see again in our lifetime i don't remember no. all of because it was very late, but I stayed (laughs) to the bitter end. Actually, less than bitter end because they won, but it didn't feel like anyone won that night.
1: No, nobody won that night. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Uh, Michael Clare. Michael uh, Clare writes for MLB uh, Cut 4, and he's a friend of mine, and he's a cool guy. He's a huge Pirates fan, though. So I'm bringing this up because he came up with what I think were two great memories. He goes, Pablo in a San Jose Giants Christmas in July uniform and hanging out with the family he lived with back in the minors. And then he follows that up with, no, 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 wait. Johnny Cueto making Hunter Pence slow down his home run trot.
0: How did I forget about that one? It just happened.
1: So... Uh Michael Clare, Grant, by the way, those are two fantastic memories. I still think Michael Clare gets the steal here. It is the MVP of the memories in this huge long thread if you check our Twitter feed. But those are great memories. Uh, the hunt, The Johnny Quaid. I would say that the Johnny Cueto thing was the last fun thing that happened this <laughs> season, which was recent. So it's not like the Giants went a long time without something fun happening. I will say that Johnny Cueto was the most... Like if this was a TV show, he was the funniest character all season long.
0: He has been for two seasons. Oh, for sure. Yeah, we don't have anybody left with that kind of personality flair. Uh,
1: That that wacky game in Arizona, uh, where he's getting all those hits and uh, (laughs) or pitching. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Pablo Sandoval coming back is a very strange part of this season. Uh, Very strange. The fact that he ends the season on a walk off. Anyway. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, no. Okay, you said that the Cueto thing was lost fun memory. For those that were, you know, didn't really care so much about the draft pick, you know, or what, you know, weren't paying that much attention to that side of it. I think that was a really fun moment for a lot of people to see Pablo Sandoval come back. They win the last game of the season on a walk off home run. You know, that's a, in normal people, that's a feel good moment.
1: So let me ask you this: following along that same line, which is what the Giants are counting on, do you think that secures Pablo coming back next year?
0: Yeah, probably.
1: So it's that mentality that you're tapping into and acknowledging begrudgingly that I'm like, that's the same mindset that's going to push this narrative that everything's fine. <laughs> um, let's see.
0: Uh, I can't really see. share a picture.
1: Yeah, there are some great images on this thread. Uh, I feel like yeah. I, that we should just tweet it out and share it. Um, and if Skateboard dog. Skateboard dog. Skateboard Dog, which I feel like Skateboard Dog was last year too. Yeah,
0: Skateboard Dog's yeah. been around for a while. i was starting to think they were just using the same footage.
1: Yeah, I think you might be right there.
0: Um, We have more about the 2 o'clock game. And can we just give MVP of the season out to, Gr- or MVPs out to Grant and Therese for doing their show at 2.40 in the morning that That's night? That's a great
1: point. Uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, he has uh, Grant, our own Grant Brisby, and Therese Vignal is her name. She is a broadcaster. Grant is, uh, obviously, the mastermind of McCrubby Chronicles. They are on a show on NBC Sports Bay Area called Giants Outsiders, and they somehow endure the Internet to talk about the Giants after the game on select home games. And, yeah, that one, they – I can't believe – Pete's Cold Brew is their sponsor, so I know how he chemically stayed away. <laughs> um, But yes, I would say that Grant, um, I was saying that Grant should have, I forgot to say this last week, Grant should have gotten the, uh, the Willie Mack award.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) Because he was the only thing that, he was the only person who could filter the season to make it bearable, filter, and he was just everywhere Giants related in, in the, one of the worst seasons of his life, (laughs) uh, of the team that he's followed, um, Let's see. We've
0: got um, Annie Are You Oakley, which is great, at uh, uh, Whale Wolf, and it was Samarja's thir- 73 inning pitched in May through June with only three walks. was super fun to watch. Yeah, you know, I feel like Samarja was kind of sneaky good this season.
1: I think he was actually legitimately good this season. Oh, no,
0: I just mean un- yeah. un- underrated.
1: <laughs> oh, for sure. It's the f- the we- It's a weird thing that he was talked about so much before and – sort of immediately after the All-Star break and then not again the rest of the season. Not, I mean, partly because the season wasn't quite as sharp the rest of the way, but mainly, he was the most consistent pitcher, really. Um, and, I don't know, I'm going to pat my own back. He's working out exactly how the Giants expected him to. He's giving them exactly what they signed. You know, they they're getting exactly what they expected from him. They couldn't have expected him to be... Even slightly better than that, um, I think Suborge has been a, a really nice, solid story uh, for this season, and he is. This is the pitcher he is. He's not going to be better. Hopefully, he's not going to be worse <laughs> for the rest of the contract. I do want to point out one other thing about a player kind of who maybe is a little bit unheralded, doesn't deserve herald. What am I saying? You know, is solid. Denard Span had a pretty solid season, which yeah. to me, to me, he had an a season where it's like, oh, he was not great, but he wasn't so bad. It's like, whatever. And certainly I'm just talking about his offensive numbers because in no way yeah. his defense, defense got noticeably worse. I think he had fewer stolen bases this year than last year. Um, but I would say he's, um, you know, he worthy of, in a heightened offensive environment, he did not embarrass himself. He kind of rose to the challenge, and it was or, interesting.
0: Yeah. It, it felt okay, and this is just again the whole eye test thing. But um, when I was following it really closely, it seemed like he and Panic were like heating up at the same times and then cooling off at the same times, which is great when they're on you know at the same time because they're yeah. you know one two punch. Yeah. There, they had that string of games where obviously Joe Panic had the twelve hits in the series and kind of you know took the took all the the focus, but Bernard Span was kind of right behind him so.
1: So an important thing, according to the baseball reference, OPS Plus, um, if you don't know what OPS Plus is, look it up. Uh, (laughs) He was a 100 OPS Plus, which means he was exactly average, uh, essentially a replacement player this year. And that would make him, that made him the fourth best hitter on the Giants. Yeah, exactly. Um, I will say Eduardo Nunez as a Giant had a 99 OPS Plus, which we can basically say was 100. And Joe Panik was 104, which we can basically say was 100. So the Giants had three league average, you know, just exactly average with the rest of the league hitters. And then Buster Posey was 129 and Brandon Belt was 117. Keeping in mind that Brandon Belt's last month and a half was probably the worst stretch of his career, which I do feel like we say every season with him. (laughs) Like the worst (laughs) stretch of his career seems to expand out for a longer period of time. Are you but talking then... about
0: the time where he didn't
1: play? No, no, no. Oh, okay. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Before he went on the DL, before he w- had the concussion, he was not playing well. Uh, that, there's no question about it. But it just seems like every season he's had really bad stretches that seem to go on longer and longer, but it's surrounded by him playing better and better. So it's a very strange uh, Brandon Belt situation. Anyway, the point I'm trying to make is, hey, Denard man congratulations for being a league average Hitter. obviously is a star Giants. on our team. Yeah, exactly. Um, we, yeah, so we've got a lot of these the Lightning game, you know, beating the Dodgers at 215. Um, th- those are all really good ones. Um, Skateboard dog. Let's see.
0: There was uh, um,
1: some this- A's fans being stupid. Oh, we were forgetting the most important picture that we shouldn't have to describe too much, but the look on Clayton Kershaw's face when Buster Posey homered off of him.
0: Where's that? Where is it? Where is it?
1: Uh, That's from at Bethliness, which is a cool handle. Beth Dean at Bethliness. And it's just that famous picture of of, uh, Clayton Kershaw's clenched fist screaming and, you know, just upset. It's funny because
0: he almost looks like he's celebrating a strikeout. It's just in that (laughs) moment. It could go either way.
1: That's very true. But
0: then you look at Buster and you know that face.
1: (laughs) Uh, that's a good one, actually. I think that's to me. We need to do a good job as Giants thought leaders, <laughs> uh, Sammy. We need to do a good job of pushing that.
0: Pushing? Wait, pushing
1: the, what? The, that picture.
0: Oh, sure, absolutely. It'll be the uh, new um, do a better job. The new that's like, Buster Posey Grand Slam.
1: There we go. Yeah. Um, and let's see. We're almost there. Uh, Bump garners two homers. Cueto forcing Pence to slow down. Um, and then uh, at Bay Area fan Sam says, "I can't find a gif of it, but that one play where Pence nearly ran over Span on their way way to home plate. I don't remember this one."
0: I vaguely do. I don't think I think the one with Cueto kind of stands out more though. But that yeah, one beats
1: it. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, Pence was a uh, was definitely breathing on Span's neck.
1: So uh, at Freeze. Uh, free Stater Brian Stevenson, Crick Block Slater Parker showing some good signs. Kaliste's crazy throw, Moncrief's amazing throws. Um, sure, <laughs> those are good. Those are all. Those are a lot of memories. I, I don't have a particular um, Jarrett Parker memory because he's still one of those. Why is he on the team? Um, so the idea that he's showing good signs, he's gonna be like 29 next year, means nothing to me. Or I think it's gonna be thirty next year. I can't remember. Austin, Austin Slater's whole season to me has just boiled down to he got hurt a lot. Yeah. And um, I feel like he's his ceiling is hopefully Adam Duvall, but I don't see the power <laughs> skill set in there, so I'm not sure. And we talked about Ty block. I'd say Kyle Crick is a is a good is a good um, thing to take away for sure. Um, let's see. And, yeah, I think – so we got to the end there. This was great. This was a great thread. There were not a lot of Giants memories today, and I feel like people dug deep and and either had readily available ones or they thought about it for a minute and they still were able to come up with good stuff. That's what separates you good people from me, a bad person. I <laughs> only focus on negative.
0: <laughs> I've got one more before we wrap it up. Um, we, we, we've not been very kind to Gorky Hernandez tonight, but I would like to take a moment to call out his amazing defensive game where he had – that where he robbed a home run, and I think it was against the Cardinals. Um, he he like jumped up over the fence and caught robbed a home run, and he had two more amazing catches in the outfield in that game. So, you know what? Good for you, Gorky. You deserve, you deserve some credit.
1: Uh, epic catch. He robs Tommy Pham at the wall. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say so. That was a great one. You know what? That's a great one. And, I, and as much as I dump on Gorky Hernandez, it's not his fault. I mean, he's not the one writing the lineup card every day. Um, and he was always slated to be a, a backup player. And the fact that he got a lot more playing time than I would have expected. I did think he got better as the season went along. I think his, his on-base percentage at some point got to 330 or like 331. I mean, his slugging percentage was like 320. But, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll take that. Uh, it, I will say, though, for a lot of the season... The Giants outfield situation made me go, man, I miss Gregor Blanco. But I think we were all saying that.
0: (laughs) I feel like the Giants outfield is like the defense against the dark arts position at Hogwarts. We're just never going to get a solid outfield.
1: It's the drummer from Spinal Tap. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's a mess. Um, And this has been sort of a messy but fun podcast. So I would say that this Kane cast, episode 69, was... Nice. That's nice. <laughs> uh, thanks, Sammy, uh, for sticking with me for another week. <laughs>
0: did we? Did we want to do predictions for this week's uh, oh, playoff game? thank you the for doing series? that.
1: Yeah, let's do. Let's do that. Uh, I want to do that. That's fun. This is the part where we make predictions, and neither of us, I would say, are prognosticators, right? We never pretend to be. No, no, no. But it's fun. Uh, so I guess the first game, first matchup, real quick. Uh, Minnesota, New York. Who you got?
0: I'm going with the twins because they're the underdogs. Everyone's thinking New York's going to get it. So I'm going with the twins.
1: Uh, I'm sticking with historic, uh, history. And I'm saying there's no way the twins beat the Yankees because they never beat the Yankees. <laughs> uh, although the Yankees don't have a rod this time. So the twins might have a chance. Um, let's see, uh, Colorado, Arizona, which to me is probably the one I'm most excited for this entire week. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, because I wanna say this. Colorado losing the playoffs makes me so happy. Uh, <laughs> and I like Zach Granke enough that if he wins the game for his team that I don't really like, I'll be fine.
0: I only like, I, I would lean Diamondbacks if it meant well it probably would mean we'd me get a Kershaw Granky matchup, but I'm still going with the Rockies. I like them better as a team.
1: Interesting. Okay. Um, All right. And then for the division stuff, we've got Red Sox Astros and then uh, the winner of the wild card Indians. But, I mean, we can just – we don't have to go past the next round. Okay. Red Sox Sox, Astros. Um, I don't have any feel for that. All I know is I'm rooting for Carlos Beltran.
0: Uh, I'm rooting for Houston because they deserve something nice to happen to them. So I've got nothing really more (laughs) in-depth than that.
1: And then Cubs Nationals, I just want that to be a, a, a battle of attrition.
0: I am totally team Nationals. That's my that's who I would like to go all the way. But you're going
1: all you're going all in on Dusty.
0: I'm going all in in this category. I'm going for the Nationals. I just don't like the Cubs. I got it. I got it behind them last season because it's a feel good story. Blah blah blah. But I don't want them to win. I want the Nationals. They 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 haven't gotten out of the first round, have they?
1: Maybe if I hadn't taken... Nationals have never won a playoff series.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: Uh, I guess if I hadn't spent so much time uh, railing on Hunter Strickland, we could have spent more time talking about the playoffs. But yeah, the Cubs have quite the cast of unlikable characters, for sure. Um, And I'm a Bryce Harper fan, so I should be for the Nationals. I'm a Dusty Baker fan, so I should be for the Nationals. I have no particularly strong feelings for Max Scherzer. I don't dislike him. There's a couple, they've got Doolittle Do on the team. I, I, I like him. Uh, I would, Ryan. if it was Ryan Zimmerman versus Carlos Beltran, I would like the two sort of veteran players trying to win a ring uh, in the World Series. So, um, I don't know, we'll see. Uh, it seems like the Cubs are going to win that one pretty easily, though. So, I'm all going right. with the Cubs. All right. But, I'm, but listen to me, I've, I mean, the difference is I've picked all the favorites, so... I didn't do anything special.
0: (laughs) And here's here's where we get to where I need to, like, uh, clarify who I think is going to win the next two. Because after that, I'm going for the drinks picks. Okay. Because I feel like if I didn't pick the Dodgers, that the Dodgers would win despite me. And I'm a very superstitious person, as are all baseball fans. So I've got—honestly got the Dodgers going the whole way, just so it doesn't happen.
1: I'm legitimately not sure about who would win— in any scenario playing the Dodgers, the division series of the of the LCS, I have no feel for how any of that would go. It's interesting that the Diamondbacks and the Rockies handled the Dodgers down the stretch, but I also think that it's just interesting as a footnote yeah. because it kind of just resets in the playoffs. The Dodgers' failures in the playoffs are, are also interesting, and I tend to give that some... Like I, I'm gonna think about it more, right? Because it's present. It's the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I don't know. Uh, we'll see. I would say that Joe Madden, Dusty Baker, Walt Weiss, and Trey Lavallo, and Dave Roberts. I think they all have their issues, and that's why they play the game, right? Yeah. There is no, there is no certainty. Um, Kyle Hendricks starting Game One for the Cubs is weirded me out. How?
0: Okay. <laughs> so if we really want to, random thing. If we really want to go for the full weirdness, Twins win it
1: all. Oh, for sure. Well, I wouldn't... Mm, eh, yeah, I would say that that's probably the most correct. Yeah, they're like an 84-win team. Yeah. I mean, the Twins facing off uh, against... If they beat the Yankees, I, I don't know. It's That'd be weird that they beat the Indians. Sorry I said that. I meant to say Cleveland. The Cleveland. <laughs> if they, yeah, if they, the Clevelanders. Yeah. Um, that would be weird. But
0: then we're coming at it from a perspective of a, of Giants fans who've seen not very good teams from the Giants go on to win it all. So you know.
1: That's true. That's true. That's true. I would say though <laughs> I would say that uh, Cleveland has a better management, uh, better manager than uh, than say the Nationals did when the Giants faced them yeah. in 2014. <laughs> In any case, uh, yeah, so that's our, those are our predictions. I'm all the favorites, and, and Sammy going with her instinct. Yeah. So there we go. So call us out in the comments about how wrong we are, um, and tell us what you ate for lunch. Thanks for listening. Uh, we're, we're both on Twitter. You can find me at every six days. Sammy, what about you?
0: I'm at Sammy Higgins.
1: And, again, you can keep tweeting us uh, your memories at McCroncast, um, and we can talking about him on the next podcast um again thanks for listening and uh we will be back next week Bye. bye